I V M. Welcome to episode 27 of the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast. My name is Ashwin. I'm joining you from Cincinnati, Ohio in the United States. With me, I have my co-bloggers, DJ, who's based in London, and Varun, who's based in Singapore. Thanks, guys, for joining today. It's been a very, very busy week in the world of cricket with lots going on from the India-England series just wrapping up to the Asia Cup kicking off, to the CPL hitting his final weekend, to the T20 Blast finally wrapping up. So lots to cover today. I just wanted to quickly remind everybody that if you haven't heard it yet, our 26th episode was DJ joining the Cricket Badger podcast. He joined up with James Butler and they did about a 45 minute deep dive entirely into the India England series. So it's a really great listen. If you haven't had a chance, nice to collaborate with other podcasters. We'll be doing more of this in the, the future. So go have a listen to episode 26 of our show. But with that, we'll jump right into what's been going on in the world of cricket. So let's start. I mean, feels like forever ago now, guys, but India just is returning from England now, having lost the test series 4 1. Varun, let me start with you really quickly. Your your top couple of takeaways and what is the, what does the future look like for the Indian Test team and what are the big learnings from this series? Yeah, I think uh, I, I've got mixed feelings about the entire Test series. I genuinely think four one England outplayed us, but I think it was closer than four one suggests. I think where I'm most disappointed is that the result has been the same as it was, I think, last time or within the same kind of range as it has as it has been the last couple of times. So my biggest challenge with this is that there's no kind of growth, right? It doesn't feel like the team is evolving. You're losing by the same margin. Having said that, I think the fast bowling very quickly, right? I think the fast bowling was great. I think Kohli and Pujara uh, were the two standouts for me. And even though Pujara can do better, I think what we, we haven't spoken about on this show yet is Pant and Rahul. I think their determination was really amazing in the last game. A lot of people are saying it's because they, they played in a low-pressure situation. It was... Uh, Dead rubber, nothing to lose. But let's be honest, at one point, all of us were thinking, can they actually do this? So I think, in a way, it kind of helped India look forward to the future. Because if Pant and Rahul were both a little bit uncertain, Dhawan's uh, career, test career, seems to be coming to a, to an end. It would have raised a lot more questions for us. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I think that's the, the stat that I read, which was really interesting, is in a five-test series, in the first four test matches combined... There were four centuries scored. And in that fifth test match, there were four centuries scored. Pant and Rahul, as you mentioned, for India and Cook and Root for England. So, DJ, Varun mentioned a little bit about low pressure situation. Do you think that's what it was? Do you think it just took time to get to a point where we could, where some of our younger batsmen could deliver? Or was it the lack of pressure that enabled them to, to bring their best game? I think it's a little bit of both. We weren't expected to do very well in the fourth inning. We were two for three, I think, at one stage when Kohli got his first baller. Mm -hmm. But I think we tweeted at the time that when Rahul was batting, this may have been a, an innings, a, a breakthrough innings from him, something like what BVS Lakshman did against Australia. He scored 167 against them, if uh, listeners remember, against Australia. And that was in 1999, in a test match that we'd already lost. But... It was two years later that he produced his masterpiece. So, is this Rahul's kind of breakthrough innings where he knows he can score runs against quality opposition when the conditions are against him? It might be. And also Pant, I mean, came out and batted beautifully. Without the pressure, we saw what he could do. So, they're good signs for Indian cricket. But I think overall, there's a feeling of disappointment of having missed out the opportunity of beating maybe a subpar, weaker-than-usual English team. 
and um, I mean, we only have Australia to look forward to, and I'm not sure we can blame anyone. Um, there were close games, and we competed, so I'm not that disappointed. But hopefully, we can do better next time. You know, we talked about it a little bit, but I, I agree with you. I think the Rahul innings was fantastic. It took what for me was at least the ball of the summer, if not one of the best balls I've seen in my lifetime from Adil Rashid to dismiss KL Rahul. It was just unbelievable. And I mean, it, I, I do agree. I think it was a great knock. And I think he's at least set himself up to be in the in the top three for a little while to come. So Varun, looking forward, Ravi Shastri has been in the news a lot lately. There's been a lot of comments. He's talked about how I like the direction this team is going. Some of the things we've said before, even in the back of big losses. And, you know, there's some controversial discussion about this being the best Indian side in the last 15 years, even though the, the data doesn't quite back that up from a test match standpoint. So West Indies is in about a month's time. What's the game plan going to be, both from a personnel and a player standpoint, but also management? Yeah, so, I, I, so I'm so i not Ravi Shastri's biggest fan, to be honest, in this role. I don't think you should be there, but that's, another, that's a topic for another day. Like I said, in India, the biggest concern is you want... You want to test out some of the new guys because what happens is, you see, if you if you end up playing a Dhawan again and he hits 150 against West Indies, you're just being you're just getting stuck. And so, so my view is to make a couple of radical changes, and and I'll probably three or four if I list them. Right, I, I definitely want to see Shaw in, right? So Shaw and Rahul open, Pujara one down, Kohli two down, Rahane three down. That four down or number six, I really don't have an answer right now, right? Uh, Vihari did did well. I think 50 on debut is, is good. But in India, I don't know how effective he is. He will be. There's Karun Nair. There's a lot of talk about Rohit Sharma finding his way back into the team. So I think that number six slot is the only slot that is open for me right now. I think in India and possibly even Australia, I think we should consider Jadeja and Ashwin. And then, of course, you've got your, your Bumrah, your, I would say, Shami, and I would say Bhuvaneshwar for India for the West Indies tour, and obviously Ishan for overseas. So, so those are the couple of changes that I want to see. But mainly, for me, it's bringing in Shaw, trying to play Jadeja a little more. So, DJ, last question on this one. Any differing thoughts on the on the team selection? And do you think we should use the West Indies series? I mean, the West Indies is ranked pretty low right now. They haven't had a great two years from a test match standpoint. Should we use this as more of a training camp for some of our younger players? Or should is the Indian team going to be looking for a big win in a test series to get some of that morale back? I think the two players are under pressure from my perspective are Shikhar Dhawan and Rahane. And I think I mentioned this on the last podcast as well. I think Shikhar Dhawan probably has his days numbered. Shaw will probably come in for him at the top of the order. What I'd be interested in to see is what India does with Rahane. I think a possible solution to our issues in the middle order is to drop Pujara down to number five and to push Rahane up to num- number three. And I'll tell you why I think that's the solution. Rahane is a good player of pace bowling. He hasn't been doing that well in the middle. He did decently against Moin Ali at Southampton, but eventually fell. Whereas Pujara, I think, is a stronger player of spin than he is of pace. So it almost makes sense to me for him to bat at number five instead of number three, where he can... You saw how he got out in the last innings, just the ball seeming back into him. He just plonked his foot down and he's out. So I think that is something India could possibly look into in terms of test match batting. And I think our bowling is fairly well settled. Jadeja really proved his worth against England in the last uh, test at the Oval. And I think he walks back into the team, perhaps at the expense of one of the quicks, perhaps Ishant, who's injured. But I think 
we need to be quite careful about how to play Rahane now because he's been out of form for a long time. And maybe the way to get him back into form is to move him up the order and give him the freedom to play at number three rather than to come in in a pressure situation at number five, playing spin. Possibly one of his weaker suites. Like, he's not as good against spin as Pujara is. Pujara is a fantastic player of spin and we've seen that all through his career. So, just a couple of thoughts from me on kind of team selection and batting order. So, okay. my I, I thought that was my last question. But I have one more. Varun, last one for you. You mentioned your ideal lineup in India. You talked about top six. You talked about struggle for six. None, none of us yet have talked about that number seven spot and, and Hardik Pandya's role potentially playing there. Is he done? Do you guys think? I mean, he did take a 5-4. He had an average series otherwise. He missed out on that final test and we didn't seem to really miss him. Yeah, so I think if you take out that one innings where he took five, I think it was a bad series, not even average. I think the five you can all makes it an average series. I, personally, I'm done. I'm done with Hardik Pandya and Tess. I really don't think he belongs there. To be literally the only player apart from Kohli who played seven tests in a row is, I think, absolutely ridiculous for me. So to me, I think Jadeja should be replacing Pandya, uh, even in Australia. Okay. So, in, lots of interesting stuff to come up, guys. We're about a month out of the West Indies series, and then Australia follows quickly. So, lots of cricket. Keep checking in. Keep following us. Send us in your questions on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, whatever's easiest, and we'll keep talking it because it's going to be a really fascinating time for both the, the test side and then obviously the ODI side as we build up to the, the World Cup, which is about nine months away now. So, thanks for the thoughts on that. Let's pivot to the Asia Cup. So, it kicked off yesterday. At the time of us recording this, we're about... 80% of the way through the Hong Kong-Pakistan match, which is the second match, and Pakistan look on track to, to win it by close to 10 wickets at the very least. You know, just quickly to remind our viewers, the format of the series is there are 13 games in total. There are two groups of three teams each, so six teams playing this one. You know, there's a round robin in each group. After the six matches, they play a Super 4. There's four Super 4 matches happening next weekend, around about the time we'll probably have our next episode. And then a couple more Super 4 final matches before the final, basically semi-finals and a final. So, DJ, let me start with you. We've talked on this show a lot about, you know, Afghanistan needs to play more cricket. When Ireland had a great match, we talked about Ireland needs to play more cricket. So, it feels like, from principally, the right move to have a six-country Asia Cup, including Afghanistan and Hong Kong, who had some great qualifiers to get into it. And now they come out and get 116 all out, and, you know, it's going to be, you know, the stadium's pretty empty. It's a Sunday in the UAE, which is not a weekend, but you know Pakistan's playing there, and they typically fill up stadiums there. Thoughts on having the the little the little guys or the young, the smaller sides in the tournament? I mean, it's good experience for them, and you can't fault them. There will be stumbling blocks as they make their way through the ranks. I think Hong Kong isn't actually a one-day side yet officially, so there there will be hiccups along the way, and we've seen it even with the bigger teams that are now doing well. Bangladesh yesterday beat Sri Lanka, and see how they started off there. Um, ODI journey. So, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Maybe in the short term, viewing numbers drops and TRPs go down. But in the long run, the more teams that play cricket and the more teams that have exposure to big matches, the better for the game. So, I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, just on that note, we'll come back and talk more about Bangladesh-Sri Lanka. But Bangladesh is ranked 7th in the ICC ODI rankings and Sri Lanka's 8th. So, on paper, the result that was expected happened in that first match. Varun, Let's talk a little quickly about that. Sri Lanka seems to be this, you know, we've talked a little in, on this show about teams seem to be winning at home and losing away. Sri Lanka seems to be the extreme of that case. I mean, at home, South Africa, who are, you know, top four by most metrics in the world, just got 
completely decimated by the Sri Lankans. And then they go and it didn't look like a team that won the World Cup in the past and things, unfortunately. And and for me, that's a little bit sad to see. So did you? I don't know if you got a chance to watch any part of the Bangladesh-Sri Lanka game or, you know, what do you think is going on with Sri Lanka cricket at the moment? I don't know. I, I So I heard, and I can't remember who told me this, but I heard that there's a lot of nepotism that's happening in Sri Lankan cricket. I think that's going to cause an issue. I just think that since Sangakara and Javadne left, they're just not being able to fill that gap or void. And that's what's making such a big difference with some of the other teams like India, right? You've got such a structured system over the last 10 years that there literally is no gap. We've Even now, when we're saying our number six test spot is a, is a challenge, we've got two, three guys. We just don't know who to put there. I think that's the challenge for Sri Lanka. Yes, they are absolute tigers at home. I mean... Rangana Herat can just run through any team. And I actually, I'm a bit worried for England. <laughs> What's going to happen to them in Sri Lanka when they go to face uh, face them? But I would say very disappointing from Sri Lanka. I did not expect them to be bundled out for 120-odd. And when you think about they got ordered for 120, Hong Kong is not, not that bad, right? At 116. So I, I just think very disappointing. Great to see Malinga back, but this team needs to work on a lot of things uh, leading up to the World Cup. Yeah, I, I mean, I think totally fair. So, DJ, let's talk about, you know, we're specialists at Indian cricket on this show. Let's talk a little bit about the Indian team. They played at the Oval less than a week ago, actually, now. And they're playing the first match against Hong Kong on Tuesday. I think it's Tuesday the 18th. You know, Talk us through that. It's a, cra- it's a crazy cricket calendar. Virat, Virat Kohli has opted out of the Asia Cup, which came with some controversy. So he's not playing for anybody who missed that. Rohit Sharma is going to be captaining. You know, there's only a handful of people who are actually playing both the Test Series that are also playing the ODI. But talk us through the the Indian squad for the Asia Cup and how you rate their chances. I think um, there's about five players that are common between the Oval Test and the Asia Cup. It's Rahul, Dhawan, Bumrah, Karthik and possibly Pandya who are um, the common players. And the workload is just immense for Indian cricketers. And good on Virat Kohli for putting his hand up and saying that he can't play every single game that India plays. Yes, it may be against Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Afghanistan, etc. But he's just said that he's had a long tour of England and he's given his best on that tour. Fair enough, he's uh, he's rested himself. I think it's still a very strong squad on paper. Raidu has come back into the squad. He'll probably take the number four slot. The opening position is fairly well settled with uh, Shikhar and Rohit. Number three, I think, is going to be KL Rahul instead of Virat Kohli in the series. Number five is probably going to be Kedar Jadav. I think number six will be Dhoni. Number seven will be Pandya. I just wonder where we're going to fit in, kind of. I think Bhuvaneshwar is back for this series as well, so that's a good sign. But what I'm worried about is actually uh, people like Bhuvaneshwar and Bumrah, who are going to be absolutely key to our chances next year. We need to kind of rotate them. Bumrah has had a lot of boring to do in England. So for him to go to the Asia Cup, I think is a it's not the best move. Bhuvaneshwar is just coming back from injury. So that's fine. He's getting back into match practice, etc. But we've got to take a long-term view of these players. I mean, Bhuvaneshwar and Bumrah are going to be absolutely key. They open the bowling for India in limited overs games. They finish off the innings as well. So we need to take really good care of these players. We need to play them, rotate them properly. So I think it's still a strong squad. There's still a bit of work to be done on the rotation policy and the selection policy for India. But I think a lot of players will be pushing for a spot at the World Cup here. People like Kedar Jadav will be looking for that key spot. DK is the other one. 
who's going to be pushing for that spot in the middle order. And I think the interesting omission is actually Rishabh Pant. After his whirlwind 168, he's not actually on the plane to Dubai, which I think it's a little disappointing from from his perspective. But because he is really the kind of second in waiting to MS Dhoni. So, I mean, I would have liked to see Rishabh Pant in that squad. But I think otherwise we're fairly well settled with the bowlers and the and the batsmen we've just described. Thanks, DJ. So, Varun, I saw you shake your head at a little bit at Kedar Jadhav comment in particular. I know, you know, Malinga opened the, the series with a 5-4 in his opening match. So, maybe Dubai favours the slinging actions. Not that Jadhav and Malinga are quite on the same playing field. But let's talk a little bit about the, the big India-Pakistan game. There's a game next Wednesday on September 19th. And if results go the way they're projected to, the organizers have set it up that there's at least one more India-Pakistan game, potentially two more, if they were to meet in the final. Is it going to meet all the hype? The three of us were there the last time they played at the Champions Trophy. Not the last time they played. We played. We were there when they played at the Champions Trophy when India won. And then, of course, the finals happened, which we don't want to speak about any further. But is it going to live up to the hype? And how do you think the two sides rank against each other? Yeah, so I think... Look, India-Pakistan, I think the first game, will, first game will live up to the hype. I think it's always an exciting game. But uh, even the Pakistani players have said that they, they are disappointed Kohli is not there. Everyone wants the best guy to play, right? Even if you lose, at least you're, you're playing against the opposition's best. So, I think Kohli not there will be, not playing will be a huge factor for a, a little bit of lack of hype. But it's still, it's still going to be up, around, right? All of us are going to be up watching it. I, I still feel India is the stronger side. Because we're a little bit more well-balanced, especially in the batting department. And I would say that I think the Pakistani bowlers on an English wicket are very different to Pakistani bowlers on a, on a UAE wicket. So I think that advantage has been taken out. But yeah, really looking forward to the game. I think, yeah, I, I think India is going to come out on top. But let's see how it goes. India, India has more to prove because of the last game, uh, the Champions Trophy final. I, th- I think that's absolutely fair. It's going to be a very exciting time. We will be back with you guys next weekend for sure, talking about how the matches went and hopefully leading up to an India-Pakistan final. But honestly, the way Bangladesh has been playing, anything could really happen. Yeah, and we've, we've been kind of already building up to an India-Pakistan game, haven't we? With the, <laughs> some Twitter fun that we've been having with some of the Pakistani podcasters. So if you guys haven't checked that out, please go and have a look at our Twitter timeline. Just a bit of fun, just a bit of banter and... Uh, yeah, obviously the Champions Trophy dismissal of Kohli's come up a few times, but then we've had our own kind of responses to those. So it's all in a bit of fun, not too serious. So go and check that out, guys. Absolutely. So it's been an, it's been a busy week in the world of cricket, as I mentioned. DJ, lots of others going on. We're not going to get too much into the the CPL, the Caribbean Premier League finals um, are on tonight or tonight my time zone, which will be middle of the morning for for you guys. But also the the T20 blast just wrapped up in England, and Worcester took that prize, which generally people seem pretty happy about. But I want to talk a little bit quickly about our man Moin Ali, who had a phenomenal run in the Test series when he finally got selected. Has had just a great you know, I think he made the double century at Scarborough. He's had just a great run in the English summer. And then he picked up, he made two 40s in the semifinal and the final and picked up two to three wickets in each innings. And, you know, there was a video circulating on Twitter of him leading the Worcester chant at the end as they won. And people generally seem to be really happy with him. But the, the negative news that came out earlier this week, I think it was just yesterday before the before the T20 Blast finals, was his claim that he's made before that is now going to be in his new book about racism that he felt in Australia. And specifically, he was talking about one player who he didn't name, 
referring to him as Osama because of the beard, which is obviously an issue, obviously not okay. What is DJ? What's your reaction to that, and and how the the world, the cricketing world, and the media has reacted since? Are we are we surprised? It wouldn't be the first time this has happened with the Australian cricket team, right? I'm not sure we're surprised. It's just again, it's disappointing. We've seen, I think, the incident with Dean Jones and Hashim Amla, again a player with a beard. We've seen, if you watch Fire in Babylon, the West Indian cricketers talk a lot about the color of your skin coming into the conversation on the boundaries and while you're playing and that's what kind of fired them on to uh, get their pace battery together and blast the Australians out because it there, there, there is an undertone of it. I don't know what was said to Virat Kohli which involved him flipping off the crowd but I think it was Sydney on his first tour of Australia. So, the, I mean, I'm not imputing anything there obviously but you, there, there is precedent for it. So, not surprising, disappointing and Hopefully, we'll find out more details about who the player is and it comes out more into the open soon. Varun, anything to add? Does it does it take away from the game at all? There are now people kind of disputing his allegation. The Aussies have denied it, although they've said they're going to investigate. You know, we, we really just want to be focused on quality cricket, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the, the key thing. It, it is very sad for me to, to see that this is the kind of thing that happens. Yeah, we've read all about sledges in the past, but this takes it to another level. I, I think this is totally uncalled for. I think there are some interesting theories around the timing of this coming out, especially with Moeen Ali's book. But I was reading a little about it. I think it was raised earlier, apparently. It was even raised to Darren Lehman and they knew about this. So uh, it'll be interesting. He said he's named the player in the book. So DJ, if you get your hands on it, do, do let us know. We'll yeah. do. And we were, we obviously saw the whole monkey gate a few years ago with the Indian team. So it seems to come up quite a lot with Australia involved. So if I do get my hand on the book, I will I will let you let you know who the player is. Great. And it's yeah. unfortunate. And it's been a part of sport, not just cricket of other sport. You know, our hope is we you know our show is called Edges and Sledges. We are supportive of players being ag- aggressive on the field, but you know, this came up with Quinton DeCock and David Warner, and that's when we actually started our first few episodes of our show, right around that incident. But there's a line, and I think there's no place for, for racism or other such things in the sport. Healthy banter is what it should be all about, and trying to get in the other guy's head without crossing that line. Yeah, it's all about quality banter with Kohli kind of going at Root when Root came one position down in the batting order, and Kohli's going at him going, who's two one-up guys, batting at four guys, batting at four and that is that's the kind of banter you want to hear and there's some quite a lot of witty stuff in the past all this stuff where the color of your skin comes into question and like sexual orientation and all of that that's just i mean it's it's poor and sport doesn't need it so if it has happened and it hasn't been a misunderstanding it is sad and i think the cricketing community will stand strongly behind uh, moin ali if if it is the case so uh, not not it hasn't been a good year for Australian cricket. Let's let's put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully we can put this all behind us and have more moments like the the Joe Root mic drop that then Virat Kohli emulated. That's the kind of the sledging and banter we want to see. I I said on the show I love that. It's harmless and it drives some energy into the game. So yeah, what a what a moment, a great moment for the summer. I think that, that the Kohli mic drop. Absolutely. All right. So that brings us to the to a wrap of our sort of more formal section of the show. I think very, very interesting time. Do stay tuned to the Asia Cup. Keep following us on Twitter. We'll try to share some of our favorite moments. Send us in your questions and feedback. As always this week, we're going to wrap up with a quiz that I have prepared for both of you guys. And no surprises for guessing, the theme of this week's quiz is the Asia Cup. So, DJ, let's do a a quick toss. I have a coin in the What are you going to call? 
Heads. It is a head. Do you want to go first or second? I think I'm going to go second, man. You're going to go second again. You're going to chase. All right. I b- believe in chasing. All right. So, in the spirit of limited overs cricket, you're chasing. But if this was a test match, Varun, you're getting put into bat first, which is a pretty big plus. You don't have to bat fourth. Okay. It's pretty sunny here, so. <laughs> the pitch is drying out. All right, guys. First question, Varun. This one is for you. How many Asia Cups have we had in total over the years? We have, there's been one, I will give you the hint. I'm going to give a hint for each tough question. There's been one T20 Cup, which happened in 2016. The rest have all been ODIs, including the T20 Cup. How many have we had in total? I'm going to say six. That is incorrect. DJ? I'm going to say eight. You guys are both off the mark on this one. Sri Lanka have won it five times. There have been, I'm not getting into details, there have been 14 editions of the Asia Cup. What? We have played 13. There have been 13 ODI. Don't I get the points because I was closer? No, this was just a, this was his question. You couldn't steal. There's no, we're not doing that yet. I'll tell you if you get the points for being closer. So no questions on that one. Um, DJ, for you, how many different teams have won the Asia Cup over the 14 editions? Four. That is incorrect. Varun, can you steal? Three. That is correct. A half point for Varun. What a fluke, man. Well, yeah. Well, it's India, Pakistan, and Sri Lanka. Who else is going to have won? <laughs> DJ, what was your what is the thought process behind four? Bangladesh, man. I thought they they made it to the final a couple of times. Yeah, but the question was, how many have won? All right. When the hell Donny's head and all. <laughs> all right. Let's keep going. Varun, for you, India has won, of the 14 editions, India has won six times. Which team has won the second most number of times? Um, Pakistan. That is incorrect. Oh my India God. It's Sri Lanka. I literally Lanka. said it two said seconds it. ago. Are you insane? You said they won 14 or something. You said they won 14. I said, you said they won five. five. Which is correct. The writer, India has won six Absolutely. This is your attention to detail. This is how much you listen in meetings at work. <laughs> All right. <laughs> India has won six times. Literally. Sri Lanka won five times. Pakistan has only won it twice. All right. Let's keep going. Who's this question for? DJ, this question is for you. Which batsman has the most runs cumulatively in Asia Cup ODI history. So I'm just stripping out the T21 that happened in 2016 because it makes it complicated. Which batsman has the most runs in Asia Cup ODI history? And your hint is he played his last ODI in 2011. Mohamed Yusuf? That is not correct. Varun, can you steal? Uh, Rahul Ravid? That is also incorrect. You can do his bowling action very well, which maybe we'll film one day and put it on the... Sanat! Uh, it is Sanat Jayasuriya, oh, who's got 1,200 runs in Asia Cups. So the scores are still wow. half point each. Maybe this quiz is a little tougher than I thought. Question number five, which goes to Varun. What Wait, how is, he five, how, how is it half point? He got Sri Lanka when you said Pakistan for the second, for question number three, right? After I gave you the answer. You got the you got a half one. point on, you got a half point on his question for how many different teams have won and he got a half point on your question. question okay. All right. Question number five. Is there pay a attention, Varun? It's past midnight your time, so we'll allow it. All right. Question number five. What is the highest individual score made by a batsman in the history of the Asia Cup? 
183. That is correct. Captain Virat, well, not a third captain at the time. He wasn't captain then. 183 by Virat Kohli. 2012. In 2012 against Pakistan. Great innings. Mm. A lot of us will remember for our lifetimes. DJ, let's go to your question number six. You're trailing by a point. In that same match where Kohli made 183, there were only two players of the 11 who are, who are in the squad for India's current Asia Cup. Name both players. No partial points. One is MSD. Yeah, that is correct. What's the other one? Um, oh, man. It's, it's between one of the two. Uh, I'm going to go with Ambati Raidu. That is not correct. Raidu was not oh, playing in the 11th. Oh, shit. I, I don't know. I don't know if I... I'm not going to... There's no points at stake here because he got one of the two right. But can you guess the second one just out of interest? Dinesh Karthik. That is it's going to be Karthik. It is, it is our oh, captain, wrong. Rohit Sharma. Oh, man, Rohit Sharma. <laughs> so just, just, I thought this was really interesting because it, ah, it was only 2012. Oh, shit. <laughs> no points in this one, but Gambhir and Tendulkar opened. Kohli was batting at 3, Rohit at 4, Raina at 5, MSD at 6. Wow. And then our bowling lineup was the Patan brothers. Ashwin, Praveen Kumar, and Ashok Dinda. So, none of our bowlers have really stayed constant. I just thought that was an interesting one. So That's why Kohli had to hit 183. Pretty much, yeah. Um, Dinda because of the Pathan brothers. Yeah, and I mean, it's worth adding, Sachin made 52, and Rohit made 68 in that match, because we were chasing 330, and we did it with two more than two overs to spare. So, it was one of those great matches. Go check out the highlights. All right, score is one and a half to one. Last two questions. Varun, this one is yours. Who has taken the most number of wickets in Asia Cup ODI history? And hint here is he also played his last ODI in 2011. Was I just doing his action earlier? So I'm going to say Murli. That is correct. Two and a half points. Yeah. An unassailable. Yeah. It had But to be. Murli Fun fact. Mm. Can any of you, this is not an official question, but would either of you love to like to wager a guess as to which Indian has taken the most wickets? Not an official question. But I, because I didn't think anybody would get it. It's, our man, it's India's Sam Curran. Irfan. Irfan has taken 4 for 32. Yes, sir. He's taken 17 wickets in the Asia Sam Cup. Sam is England's Irfan, dude. Oh, sorry. I said it backwards. All right. DJ, last question, although you, you're not able to catch water at this point. Consolation prize. Um, who's the most successful wicketkeeper in terms of dismissals in the history of the Asia Cup? And if you have been paying attention, you'll notice a theme on the, on the batsman and the, the bowlers. That's like the easiest hit in the world. It's going to be Sangakara. It is going to be. It is correct. That is Sangakara. For some reason, it feels like the Sri Lankan team had the most continuity over the years of the Asia Cup because none of They the... They seem to do quite well. None of the Indians... Well, no, even though India has won it six times. Anyway. Yeah. Also, apart from Sachin, the three guys, Mudli, Sangha and uh, Sanath actually had longest tenure as well. That's what I mean. So, and Sri Lankan... Side the longest, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, like, I mean, absolutely. It feels like... Yeah, Sanat Jaisuriya will come out of his coffin to bat against India, man. <laughs> he'll hit that po- shot of a point. Yeah, seriously. All right. And then so, play with his pads. But, so that... <laughs> that wraps up our uh, quiz. I did have a tiebreaker, which I want to put out here, even though it's of no significance. Can you guess... Which of you can guess... Virat Kohli's average across the history of all Asia Cups? He has played 11 matches and been distanced 10 times. Can you guess his average? 
It's definitely more than 18.3, DJ, in case you're working on the map. <laughs> I'm not even going to take this five is with great. an answer. What a lie. Right. Anybody have a guess? Answer 44. Uh, DJ? 26. 61.3. He's made 613 <laughs> runs, including three wow. centuries, 150, and been dismissed 10 times. So that wraps up our quiz. Thanks, guys. Varun takes it. I don't remember who won last time, but I, I feel I like won it. last time. So that's two in a row for Varun. Let's see if we can make it a hat trick next week. Thank you very much for joining us this week. Keep engaging us on Twitter, guys. We have a lot of fun doing it. It really helps us come up with our content for the show. If you have any questions you'd like us to address or feedback, Definitely send them to our, send them our way. We will make sure we address them in future. Yeah, we had a question actually from Saurabh, didn't we? Who was asking whether this is the most complacent Indian team ever or something. And what do you guys think about that? It's been a very short turnaround and with the schedule. I mean, is the schedule too tight for Indian cricket generally? Ashwin, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I mean, I think we talked it a little bit earlier, right? The work- workload is crazy. You talked about how we need to manage our players' workload better. I think I would love to talk with this in more depth at a future episode, but maybe I think if this is the kind of workload that's going to happen, maybe it's going to evolve to more of a format where your two lead quick bowlers and a couple of your main batsmen are you know, focused on one format. Like Anderson and Broad have been for England, like Owen Morgan has been for England from an ODI standpoint. Like Just have a few folks who are really focused, uh, really focused on one format, and that's where it becomes interesting. Then what, do you pick Bumrah to be your strike bowler in ODIs or do you pick him in tests because he's been doing well there? And so I, I don't I don't know if I would say it's the most complacent Indian team. I think balancing a workload like this with you know the same core group of 15 or 20 guys is always going to be tricky. But, but Varun, does it mean that we don't have any time, as, as Saurabh I think says, to either celebrate or mourn a result like England on, on a series like England? As I mean, we've almost moved on to the next uh, the next tournament without even blinking an eye. So, are these coming quick and fast for us? I don't think so. I think that genuinely, in the last ten years, the only time I felt that um, that that we didn't have time to celebrate was when the IPL started, like three days after the World Cup final in 2011. Apart from that, as an Indian fan, I'm very happy that uh, India plays so often. I think yes, people do need to be rested, and I think. Uh, Especially with the with the view that India has only 24 ODIs to play before June next year, before the World Cup, I think uh, I think it's a I think it's a good move to have this. Even the chief selector MSK Prasad said they have a very clear roadmap for the next 24 ODIs. So I don't see it as a negative. Thanks for bringing that up, DJ. Yeah, definitely send us in your future your questions for future episodes. We'll be happy to address them on the show. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at One Tip One Hand, or subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your. To your podcast at the show is called the edges and sledges cricket podcast you know we really appreciate you guys tuning in thank you very much enjoy the rest of the asia cup and we will see you next week hello 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 everybody it's been another great week on the ibm podcast network on what the hell navya jaya bachan chwetananda and navya herself dish out stories from their childhood they discuss tough love between parents and their kids. On Pesa Vesa, Anupam talks to Baman Irani, President-elect Kredai, and Chairman and MD at Rustamji. They discuss the concept of buy versus rent and how to approach buying property in 2022. 
On Cock and Bull, Cyrus is joined by Meghnath and comedian Shad Shafi. They discuss their opinions on the ongoing Congress presidential elections and Prashant Kishore embarking on a padyatra. On the Life Manifesto, Zarina narrates a story that advocates that stress and emotions are not to be controlled but must be beautifully managed. And on the Filter Coffee podcast, Karthik is joined by Yashraj Akashi, senior ambassador of the TEDx program and curator of TEDx Gateway. They discuss the origin story of TED and its franchise model. Guys, go to our website, ivmpodcast.com. You can check out the merch store, also links to all of our social media stuff, which is at IVM Podcast. Also, do check out our YouTube channels. We have a number of channels with many of your favorite shows available as full video podcasts. Finally, we'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Volvo XC40 Recharge, Bumble, Heads Up for Tails, and HDFC Mutual Fund. Thank you so much for making this possible. Do you often find yourself surrounded by conversations about Web3, blockchain, NFTs, DAOs? What are these terms and how do they affect our future on the internet? So many questions, but don't worry, we've got answers to all your questions. Hi, I'm Eklavya Bhattacharya and on our show Future Proofing, we try to decode the impact of these future technologies on various industries with experts and tech enthusiasts. Tune into new episodes coming out every Thursday on the IBM Podcast app and the website or wherever you get your podcasts from. Working Monday to Friday glued to your chair making you feel dull? Worry not. Get your 5-minute weekly dose of travel around the world with postcards from nowhere. Join me every Thursday as I explore the strange, obscure and fascinating parts of the world and bring out facets of travel you may not have thought of before. You can find us on the IBM Podcast app, website or wherever you get your podcast from.